0: Online shopping is killing physical retail. No one shops in stores anymore. Malls are dying. Over the last few years, you didn't have to look hard to find headlines like these about malls. But that's not the whole story. And well, the narrative is shifting and a new story about malls is starting to emerge. From first jobs to first dates, Santa photos and shopping, malls have always been a huge part of our culture. And though the mall today may look different than it did, it's still a mall. It's just been redefined. It's still a place for first jobs, first dates, Santa
1: photos, and yes, even still shopping, but so much more. Meet us at the mall will explore the rapidly changing mall industry, talk with the industry experts that are leading the change, and the journalists who are covering it. I'm Stacey Keating. And I'm Haley Rennick, and we invite you to meet us at the mall. So we have a great interview lined up today. We are talking with the CEO of CBL Properties, Stephen Lebovitz. But before we get into that, let's talk headlines. So there has been a lot of talk about malls in the news lately,
0: and a lot of these headlines really get to the heart of what we're going to be talking about on this podcast
1: Yes. So one of the headlines um, that I've seen recently is about how the pandemic was supposed to shut malls down. Everybody was talking about that the pandemic was going to drive traffic to online and physical retail was going to be dead.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, for a period of time, the pandemic definitely did drive shoppers online. Um, A recent Wall Street Journal article that I read said that I think online shopping peaked at like 15.7% or something. But now it has really started to taper down as people have returned to stores, as vaccines and booster shots became widely available. People just are naturally
1: social creatures and they want to be able to feel and touch the merchandise that they're going to buy. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of stores that are going to have a huge comeback. Uh, Like you said, traffic in malls and brick and mortar rebounded since vaccines and booster shots became available. And, you know, I think consumers really want to get out and be able to feel and touch and see the items in person. And, you know, it's really funny because for a long time, we have
0: talked about in the industry clicks and bricks or... Clicks over bricks or whatever, omni channel retail. Um, but there's another recent article from the Wall Street Journal about how bricks might actually be a savior for online retailers because you can only reach a certain threshold of sales when you're online. And it's so expensive to acquire new customers online.
1: You know what? I think I read that exact article. And I think um, Facebook said that they saw a 30% increase in their ads targeting the consumers. And I mean, that's 30% is huge. Yeah. And if you think about it, when you locate
0: in a high traffic mall or another shopping district, you get that benefit of discovery from customers that are just passing by your storefront.
1: Oh, for sure. And so actually, so there's this great quote that I um, read in that exact article. And so um, it's actually from Jeffrey Radar, co-founder and co-CEO of Harry's incorporated it's a consumer packaged um, goods and I'm basically I'm going to kind of sum it all together but he said that you know the, inter- the internet is a great place for transactions but it's not really a great place for discovery and I completely agree because if you think about it on your phone, you can hit Apple Pay, you've got your credit card saved, very, very easy to buy something, but you're missing out on so much merchandise. Because when you're in the store, you're wandering around, you're touching, you're trying clothes on, you see a pair of shoes you may have not looked at. So I definitely think that that is is absolutely true. Well, and one of the other things that article said was that
0: Wayfair, who saw a huge uptick during the pandemic of people really trying to spruce up their home offices, they were spending a lot more time at home, they're actually going to open stores because they've seen their online sales fall just a little bit as people have returned to the office and returned to the real world.
1: I, I've never actually understood how people can buy certain furniture online. I'm going to be completely honest because let's, I mean, I want to try, I want to test drive my couch before I, you know, purchase it. And I also want to test drive the mattress. How can you buy a mattress online? You can't, you can't try it out. I mean, what if you buy a mattress and it's awful? Nobody's yeah, and, got time
0: for that. Well, that's why Casper started to open stores too. So, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of proof points out there to say that online retailers definitely need a relationship with brick and mortar retail in order to be able to reach new customers.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely see the value in that. And I, I agree completely. And, you know, there's a lot of things that the pandemic has um changed in the retail industry. And um two of those things being buy online, pick up on pick up in store and curbside. What else do you think that, you know, happened during the pandemic but is potentially going to change for the better? I think the two
0: things that you mentioned are definitely Huge. Um, I know I was at an event at one of our malls a few weeks ago, and before the mall even opened, there was a line of customers standing outside of American Eagle, like 25 individual groups of people standing outside of American Eagle, waiting to go into the store and pick up their online orders. And so I think... I mean, that's just wild to me. The store that, wasn't even open? No, it wasn't open yet. They were waiting for the store to open to go in. Wow. And there's all sorts of research that suggests that when you buy online and pick up in store, you end up spending 30% more. That that stat may have changed a little bit, but you end up spending 30% more on average when you p- buy online and pick up in store. I mean, guilty. I yeah, mean,
1: <laughs> I know. let's be honest, a shopping trip is fun.
0: Mm-hmm, it absolutely is. And to your earlier point, it's all about discovery of new products and new merchandise. But I think one of the things that online shopping probably has on brick and mortar retail is that it's the ability to personalize the experience for the customer. And if the growth that we're talking about... Um, in malls is going to sustain, retailers
1: really need to focus on individualizing the store experience for their customers. I completely agree. I think data is going to be very, very important for malls to be able to follow the customer journey. You know, I saw something um, in another article that talked about, which this is a little creepy, and there's definitely, um, you know, people are a little, they're not sure about it, but um, basically there's ai based facial recognition that now companies can track shoppers expressions and share that data with malls and brands and it's very controversial and i mean i i can i can see why like that's super creepy yeah that's I
0: don't know if I like that. I don't I don't think I like that. But also, like, what are they doing? What are they going to do with that
1: information? Or how do they tailor the experience to you based on what your facial expression is? Right. Because, I mean, that's a great point. You may just not like the color, but you li- might like the product. So yeah. it doesn't really get into the details. But some are saying that it's crossing a line. Where others are saying, well, you know, there's a better way to do this through apps and rewards programs where you're getting consent for the consumer because they have to sign up in order to download that on their phone. So they're, they're allowing themselves to be tracked and that creates an added value because now they're being served targeted ads based off of their search history. They're being, you know, served exclusive offers. And so it's just a all around better customer experience. That makes sense. And I think there's things that malls themselves can do because a lot of this
0: really falls to the retailer, honestly. Like we we don't have a loyalty program at CBL for our malls. We've talked about it at length about the benefit yeah. of having a a loyalty program, but it's really like customers are loyal to the retailers and so a lot of this personalization really falls to them. But there are certain things that malls can do through Wi-Fi, through potentially creating their own apps for their shopping centers that can help to personalize the experience for customers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even using SMS programs is, is another way to get a hold of those consumers because, I mean, millennials, all, I mean, let's be honest, everyone's on their phone these days. Everyone has their phone. So that is the best way to really serve a, an ad or even just an offer directly to the consumer right then, right there.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. We are so excited to welcome our first guest,
1: the CEO of CBL Properties, Stephen Lipovitz. Thank you so much for joining us, Stephen. We're so excited to have you here.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to do this and I'm excited to be a part of the first podcast.
1: We we talked earlier about how we've been anticipating this moment and kind of planning this for so long, so we're glad to see it finally come into a head.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, the last few years have been interesting, to say the least, but before we dive into that, we were wondering if you could just start out by giving us a little background because your family has been in this industry for decades.
2: Absolutely. So... My grandfather, Mose Lebowitz, was truly one of the pioneers in the shopping center business. And he started with a drive-in theater screen in Chattanooga that blew down in a big storm and decided to build the first shopping center in Chattanooga, which became Eastgate Mall. And uh, from there, that became the family business. And I think my dad, who CBL um, is named after Charles B. Lebowitz uh, started with him right after and he had thought he was going to have his career in the movie theater business which is what our family did before but instead they transitioned into shopping centers and started building them across the southeast in the 60s.
1: Wow what a legacy so what do you think was so special about the mall industry at the time that that made it turn into what it is today?
2: I think my grandfather was a true visionary, and he saw the trends, um, the interstate highways, the the suburbs, and the um, growth in the suburbs that was occurring, and he felt like that was going to create an opportunity for a new kind of experience and for shopping to spread into the suburbs. So he took that, and he translated into a business opportunity.
0: So those developments have changed considerably since they were first built. Um, How do you think the role the mall plays in their communities has changed over time or has it changed?
2: The mall, when it was built, played a really important role in the community. It was the largest employer. It was the largest payer of real estate taxes. And at the time, most retail had been downtown and it started transitioning to the suburbs. Um, when I started in the shopping center business, which was in the late 1980s, to date myself, um, there were um, hardly any boxes. Walmart and Home Depot were really just starting to grow. Um, Kmart was huge. Um, you had the department stores, but you didn't have outlet centers. You didn't have lifestyle centers. You certainly didn't have online shopping. So the mall had a big market share when it was originally built. And then over time, as shopping has gotten bigger, there's just been so many other formats that have come in and provided competition and also complementary uses to the mall.
1: So let's talk more about those uses, because like you said, when people think of a traditional mall, they think of the the anchors, the department stores, the big boxes. But that has evolved so much, especially in the last you know, five, five to 10 years. So can you touch a little bit on that?
2: The mall has changed so much in the last 10 years. Um, the malls when they were first built, it was almost a cookie cutter approach. They all looked the same. They looked like a big egg with the ring road around it and the mall in the middle. And they had department stores at the ends as barbells and the mall in between with the specialty stores. And we could go to Las Vegas for our annual convention and do 90% of our annual leasing because the same stores were expanding throughout the country. They were coming into the malls, and the malls were first built with that formula, and they worked great. And over time, like I was saying, with all the new competition, there was a lot of transition in retail. And so finally, starting in the 2000s, the mall made changes, and it was precipitated by the downfall of some department store chains like Sears and Bontan and companies like that who um, just uh, ended up uh, going bankrupt or going out of business, and we started looking at what do we do instead of department stores? And we don't need five department stores in a mall anymore. We can get creative and come up with new uses. So that really started this whole process of rethinking what the mall could be, and now that's even accelerated in the last few years.
0: So I've got some stats. Since 2015, CBL has completed more than 50 redevelopment projects, and the majority of those uses are things that would have never been considered as part of a mall before. Can you talk a little bit about some of those new and exciting uses?
2: So I remember going to an ICSC trustees meeting in probably around 2010, and someone was talking about how they've got a mall, and they're going to have Target come in, with nordstrom and they were like isn't that unbelievable isn't that crazy and that was kind of the mentality then that that would be totally breaking the mold and beyond that the mold has been broken even further and and we've we've been a part of it it's exciting um, that we've added all these different kind of entertainment uses that became um, a really popular use to add to the malls and we've done a lot of those And then just adding service and value and medical and just so many different kind of uses to broaden the mix of the mall. And it's all about offering an experience for the shopper to come and do different things that they can't do anywhere else. And the mall combines all these uses, and that's what draws people to to come to them. And we got to keep innovating and keep coming up with new uses.
0: Okay, so... Let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about the last couple of years. Um, For the industry, it's been very disruptive with the pandemic. For CBL, we filed for bankruptcy and emerged from bankruptcy in late 2021. Um, So can you talk a little bit about how those two things impacted CBL, the retail industry in general, and just kind of the impact that they've had on our company
2: so that's, a, there's a lot there's a lot into loaded. that question, question. Sure hard hitting questions where, where here. Where do I start? <laughs> so, but um, just first, I think for CBL, it's definitely been a tough couple of years, but it's also given us a great um, position going forward. Uh, we were able to clean up a lot on our balance sheet to reduce our debt, reduce our leverage, um, to 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 gain more cash. And so as a result, we're in a lot stronger financial position today than we were before the pandemic. And, and I, I'd say that there were a lot of challenges and headwinds that we were facing before. Um, really coming out of the great financial crisis in oh eight oh nine 9 um, the business changed a lot. And it had been Tougher and tougher, there have been more bankruptcies. Um, companies had um, just like just were in a position where they couldn't be competitive anymore, and that affected us in a lot of ways. So I think having the restructuring and the bankruptcy was difficult, but it gave us a fresh start, and we're in a better place today, and we see a real opportunity and um also in a way. The pandemic was really hard for our business. Um, We certainly weren't built to shut down our malls and not have them open and not have any income at all and not have any sales and revenues or, you know, all the retailers are asking for for rent relief and all that. So that was something unprecedented, and I hope we never face it again. But um, I do think the silver lining is that people realize on the other side of this that, they don't want to be stuck in their homes. They don't want to buy everything online. They want to go out. They want to see the goods. They want to touch. They want to feel. They want to have the experience. And we've seen that. We've seen um, a lot of revenge spending, a lot of people coming out and just wanting to, um, to, to go back to the mall. And traffic is up. Um, traffic is really at or exceeding 2019 levels. Sales are well above 2019 levels. So, um, and, and we feel like the, the the best thing is that the narrative has changed in a lot of ways, and that um, the, the the press and the customer realizes that the the future of retailing isn't online or in the mall. It's both. It's a combination. It's omni-channel. It's offering the shopper what's convenient. And the, the strongest retailers have innovated to recognize this trend.
1: But I also think that it changed the way that people shopped and shops today because we've got buy online, buy online, pick up in store. We have curbside. Um, so what do you think, you know, what trends do you think that are going to, do you see staying?
2: I think it's all going to stay. I think it's, um the the people still value their time that is the precious commodity so anything they can do to um be efficient with their lives but also to enjoy themselves with their spare time is what they're going to what they're going to gravitate to and i think the mall plays into that like you say you know restaurants and going you know we we've expanded the number of restaurants across our portfolio in a big way and and that's a powerful draw and entertainment like i mentioned and there's just so much more you can do when you visit the mall today than you could in the past and we're that's continuing you know we're adding medical uses in hotels and um we've you know we're looking at at residential projects so i think there's just going to be more and more reasons that people will have to come and um i think the retailers are are doing a great job of adjusting to the trends as well and making it easy and having better technology. And it's tough because staffing is difficult. So they have to have better technology to, to, to offset that, but they're doing, they're doing a good job. Um, and they're, they're stronger financially. They've benefited from the last year and a half when sales have been up and, and that's helped their cash position and made them stronger financially and now we're seeing stores that want to expand so that's a great thing for us
0: are there any particular retailers that are on your um, hot list for lack of a, a better term retailers that are expanding that we should know about
2: there are a lot of retailers that um, that we're doing um, new business with you know I, I'm not quite sure where to start but you know you look at some of the um, some of the value driven we're doing a lot with sporting goods dick sporting goods is great but beyond that you know dunham's and academy and shields up in um the upper midwest are are really strong and we're doing new business with all of those and even in the mall we're doing business with hibbets and and athletic shoes has been super strong in the past couple years footlocker and jd sports and and all the other categories and then beyond that um I really like Altered State Stores. I think they're great. They're um and they have a they have yeah, their their storefronts are, are beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really they do an amazing job. They're not cheap, but um and they've added new concepts. They actually have 5 concepts now and so um I think that's that's a great company and um we're we're doing more with them. Um you know, American Eagle has a couple of new divisions. Um and then even um Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works now they've split off into separate companies and they're very focused on on growth so um there there's it's hard to I hate to choose sometimes because I'm leaving people (laughs) out um but uh I know we've got even in the portfolio we've got um some 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 companies that are really exciting that we're talking about deals with that hopefully we'll be able to announce more soon
1: I think that's one of the things I'm really excited to see, too, is, um, you know, the your normal retailers, your everyday national retailers really kind of breaking apart and creating different concepts. I know Best Buy is looking to do more of an experiential store where they're bringing in um, fitness equipment and they're bringing in, um, you know – Outdoor furniture for you to test, and so kind of bringing people back together. Um, I think Petco was the other retailer that I saw that they're going to be doing grooming classes and more um, veterinarian information. Again, things that you can't get online that you have to come to a physical location to be able to experience it.
2: We've added barber shops in a lot of malls. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do that online. You know, so having those experiences that you know you come out, it gives you a reason. And then you go from there to a restaurant or to the food court and it's, it's a day. So,
0: Well, you said something about entertainment and the increase in entertainment across our portfolio. And I want to talk a little bit about two entertainment concepts in my home state of Pennsylvania that are kind of unprecedented to be actually attached to a mall. And those are the two casinos that we've added over the last two years
2: the casinos are amazing. That's definitely one of those categories that we never would have thought of until the last few years. But um, what's great is they work. And um, there had only been one casino that was attached to them mall. It wasn't part of the mall before. So we're really trailblazing with these two. And um, traffic is up. A lot of the retailers are having stronger sales. Um, it's, it's a huge success and the casinos are doing well. Um, they both want to expand. So they're trying to get the license to do that. And I think it's, it's going to be a trend. I think we're going to see more, um, at malls and other properties, um, because, um, there's just, uh, um, you know, that's a category of entertainment that is becoming more popular, um, becoming more acceptable, And it's not just – they don't just do blackjack or slot machines. They've got restaurants. They've got um, really fun activities, um, mechanical bowls like in Westmoreland. No way. (laughs) No
1: way. I did not know they had a mechanical bowl. Mm -hmm. PBR Pittsburgh at the live casino. There you go. That's incredible. That's (laughs) incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So so next time you go home, are you going to – take a spin. Highly unlikely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as you look ahead, like the next year, two years, I know it's, you don't have a magic eight ball and it's really hard to say what the long-term impact of COVID will be and how things will evolve. But what do you see for the industry for the next year or two years?
2: I, I think we're in a good place. Uh, I think we've, we've got, um, a strategy for, Transitioning the malls. Everyone is unique. Everyone depends on its market and what the demand is. But there's just been a complete redefinition of what the mall is and adding supermarkets. That's something that, you know, who would have thought about. But that we're doing that at a lot of properties and there's, there's strong interest. So it's, it's two way, it's not just we're out there selling, but the users are excited because it's quality real estate. It's got, you know, the trade areas are growing, so we've got a lot to offer to them. So I feel like we're in a good place, and there's a lot out there in the world that we don't necessarily control, but um, we've, we've hit a new stability, and I think for both for the company and for the industry, so I think we've got a good prognosis over the next few years.
1: So before we wrap up, we have one final question for you. What is your first mall memory?
2: Okay, well, can I give a few? Absolutely. So, so my so I have, I have two, distinct mall memories. The first was, when I was, a kid going to Eastgate, and sitting at the, the restaurant bar. That wasn't a bar for drinking, um, at Woolworths. Which you probably never even heard of, but it was like a precursor to like Dollar General. It was like a discount store in the mall, and there was a bar, and they had a restaurant. They had a little like soda fountain type okay. ice cream bar. So I'd go sit there, and I'd, I'd, um, I'd get a milkshake between before swim practice. That was like, a, <laughs> well, I and love then I'd that. go walk around the mall, and the mall was open air and. We had a fountain with swans and all kinds of crazy stuff that, you know, you wouldn't even, maybe you would think of today. That was that was one. The second was, not of them all, but um, before we built Northgate here, um, our family went out and we picked corn because it was a big cornfield. And we walked all no around. Way. And my dad said, we're going to build them all here. And I'm like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about? Where are we going to get corn? So, <laughs> But uh, and then lo and behold, he built the mall. So
1: I love that. I was not expecting the cornfield, so that was that's
2: interesting. Or the bar. And or the bar. It's not really a bar. It's like a soda fountain. It's like no. a kind of restaurant type thing.
0: So the mall has really been in your in your family your entire life.
2: Absolutely, it has, <laughs> and uh, I don't think that's going to change at this point either. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of Meet Us at the Mall. We will talk to you next month when we interview another heavy hitter in the retail industry.